This hour on a Thursday, November 2nd edition of Flames Talk with Aaron Vickers of NHL.com. It's Pat Steinberg along with you, coming at you from Cowboys. We're in Cowboys Dance Hall for the 2023 Eric Francis Pizza Pig Out. That's what we're doing on location. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'll tell you a little bit more about uh, the Eric Francis Pizza Pig Out as this hour continues because even if you're not able to be here, even if you're listening after the fact and saying, well, I can't be at Cowboys. I can't shove my face full of all those pizzas. Uh, we'll tell you why this is such an important event in the city every single year. And look, Eric Francis doesn't do many things well. He gets people sick and he runs the Eric Francis ah. Pizza Pig Out. But uh, no, this is an awesome, awesome thing in the city. We'll tell you more about it as uh, this hour continues. Hi, Vix. Hey, buddy. How does a guy get a little pre-Pig Out Zaw over here? Um, I'm. They'll start coming in here during this I hour. I can't so wait. You'll, you'll be able You'll be able to go figure something out. Daily Flames Roundtable this hour. But uh, we've got a lot to dive into from Wednesday's loss to the Dallas Stars for the Flames. So the, the bad news is very easy to suss out. Six consecutive losses. Losses in eight of nine. In in this game, a second period lull, lapse, collapse, push by the Stars. However you want to phrase it really sunk the flames they had a 1-1 tie after 20 played a really good first period they had a 2-1 lead early in the second and then the stars pushed and they scored three times took a 4-2 lead and then relied on jake ottinger in the third period and came away with the victory but we'll get into the negatives as the day goes along and 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 it's very easy to get into the negatives with this team right now i think we've done our fair share of talking a about a little bit a little bit it's it's been a really frustrating difficult awful start to the season for the flames now at two seven and one but there was a massive positive to th- uh, to, to wednesday's loss and that was the debut of of connor zary because vix i can't remember the last time we saw a young player debut and this is no knock on any guys who have debuted but i can't remember the last time a player entered a lineup and made an nhl debut and made you get out of your seat like that, added a spark like that, added excitement, and and brought you know brought people into the game like Connor Zary did against the Dallas Stars. Seven shot attempts, six shots on net, three high danger scoring chances on his stick. He scores a goal. The uh, he was a difference maker, and he almost scored again on what a yep. what what might have been goal of the year for the Flames now and for the rest of the season. It's been a long time since I can remember an electric debut quite like what we saw from Connor Zary against Dallas, and you know. We know what the we know what the negatives are. We know how poorly the team has played. We know what the record is, and we know how things are slipping away and and the heavy stuff hanging over this team right now. But for one night, even with the loss, there was there was at least one big thing to smile about at the Saddle Dome on Wednesday night. Yeah, and Connor Zary didn't waste too much time getting right into the thick of things, right into the fabric of the game, scoring his first NHL goal on his third NHL shift. 
he was a tone setter for the Calgary Flames, and we talked a lot on Wednesday about, okay, what are some realistic expectations for Connor Zary coming in? And to be perfectly honest, had I told you, again, you mentioned seven shot attempts, six, uh, six on goal, he had the goal, he almost had a goal of the year candidate stymied by the left pad of Jake Ottinger in that third period. He lifted the Calgary Flames up. He gave them an energy that we haven't seen over the course of the six-game losing streak. And yeah, ended up at the end of the day. It wasn't enough to elevate them to a win, but certainly a positive debut from the first-round pick in 2020. He's earned another game, right? Like, oh, yeah. He's in on Saturday against Seattle. There's no way you can send him back to the American Hockey League. And, and now now Connor Zary's got a, a very clear mandate in front of him. Make it difficult to send you back down make it difficult for craig conroy or ryan huska to say yeah you know what maybe some more seasoning in the american league is what you'd need that that is the next step now for zary and i think he's got it in him uh at least in what we saw in game one and we always know that first game or two when you make your debut there's that adrenaline there's that excitement and and that can really be a big part of what you see and then as you settle into the grind of an nhl season the pace of an nhl season and all that type of stuff um it 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 maybe comes back down to earth a little bit but that's his job now and we've seen many times where players have come up and made it difficult I, i go back to you know like 10 plus years ago i remember when eric nystrom that would have been 15 years ago uh that's been a minute but got sent to the american league Gets called up, never went back. I remember when TJ Brody got recalled, um, I want to say in the 2011-12 season, he got recalled after an Anton Babchuk injury, and he never never went back to the American League, save the, the lockout. Um, and, and so there are plenty of players who are able to do that, who start a season in the American League, were knocking on the door during training camp, start, with the number one affiliate then a door opens and they come in and steal a job and cement themselves that they can't go back down so now connor zary's got that in front of him and we'll see if he's able to he's able if he's able to make that happen i'm, I'm rooting for him that's for sure and to be perfectly honest if i'm advising him right now i'm not telling him he needs to put together 10 15 20 good games to maintain his status as an nhl player as opposed to an ahl player I ask him to take it shift by shift, game by game. Not every game is going to be shot out of a can. You mentioned a good point about how you're very much running on adrenaline in your first NHL game. And we certainly saw a lot of pace, a lot of uh, just buzzingness if that's a word i'm pretty sure i just coined it right now i like it in his game buzzingness he he looked like he was shot out of a cannon and he was doing a lot of good things with the puck like he's making the big spectacular plays but he was also going to the net he was driving to the net he was making uh sort of the minute plays that you need to make as an nhler so there's a lot of layers underlying things that connor's already did good there in order to um earn a second shot i mean scoring a goal certainly doesn't hurt but there were a lot of underlying things that maybe don't go as noticed, a little less rewarding type activities that he had out on the ice. But most certainly he's earned at least another look, and then it's on him to keep stacking good performance over good performance over good performance. You know what? Another thing that was really important about Zeri's debut was what it did for Nazem Kadri. Because I thought Zeri sparked Kadri, and I thought Nazem Kadri was the best player on the ice 
maybe for both teams on Wednesday night. Finished with two assists. He was all over the place. He was offensively impactful. He was engaged in the defensive zone. He was... You know, making making it so the officials were looking at him in a in a way that like maybe he was drawing some penalties and and uh, he was engaging in contact and and setting the tone and all of what Kadri did on Wednesday night against Dallas is what the Flames need him to do on a regular basis. That is the Nazem Kadri the Flames need more often than not for the next seventy two games. He was great, and that. Is that's why I, I've, I've kept on saying like there's still something there with Nazem. This is not a washed-up hockey player. This is a guy that has been frustrated. This is a guy that has, there's been plenty of questions about why this or why that or or maybe why it hasn't worked since he's gotten to Calgary. But that is against a good team. That's an example of what Kadri is still able to do and the type of impact he can make on a game. And that is you're not going to have that copied and and completely in a in a perfect facsimile every single game but that type of engaged cadre with a chip on his shoulder who's impactful at both ends of the ice they need that way more often than not going forward here that's more of the nazim cadre we saw leading into the nhl all-star game last season and it's funny we had the conversation on wednesday about okay let's not put the responsibility of uh, Connor Zari jump-starting the $7 million Nazem Kadri, But I think in, in a lot of ways he absolutely did, and I, I agree with you that that was one of, if not Nazem Kadri's best performance of the season. And the underlying numbers for stretches this season on Nazem Kadri have been positive. He's been in the top 95th percentile in a lot of uh, shot metrics and, and offensive zone time and things of that sort. But it, I really think that Nazem Kadri fed off of the energy that uh, Connor Zeri gave to the Calgary Flames and gave to that line in particular. Uh, that line was a 79.2% possession line at 5-on-5. Five five. Uh, shot attempts were 19-5 in favor of the Flames when Sharon Govich, Kadri, and Zeri were on the ice. Scoring chances were 9-3. High danger chances were 4-1. That's a good sign. That's a line that I'm keeping together all day. Uh, when you're talking about Kadri's even, uh, evening, rather, he had six shots eight shot attempts three scoring chances and two high dangers he was good at both ends of the ice that was a really encouraging night outside of zary's breakout and and nhl debut i thought nazim's night was the biggest takeaway i had positively from the dallas loss and just like we said specifically about zary it's now on that line to do it again and again and again because the calgary flames are sorely missing a line that can be a difference maker at both ends of the ice and you listen connor zary had six shots and osman Kadri had six shots that's 12 shots combined by yep. just those two players, and they play on the same line. Like They were funneling a lot of pucks to the net, which is something that's been an issue for the Calgary Flames, getting it to the net, then getting second-chance opportunities, getting third-chance opportunities, and we saw that in spades with that trio. Um, so that's the good news. That is some really positive news from the Flames in that 4-3 loss to Dallas. A few texts at 969-60. Uh, this says best debut since Fen Berchi. It's probably true. In On the emergency his... recall, even, from yeah. Portland. Because uh, he scored in his NHL debut, what, he had three goals in five games Something when he like was that, up. Yeah. Um, that probably, in terms of, uh, I would say Johnny Gaudreau a couple of years later, game 82 against Vancouver might be in that same conversation. He did score in 
Not necessarily a dissimilar fashion to Connor's Zary, because wasn't that a point shot that deflected yep. off of Goudreau yep. and into the net, and we saw Zary's goal, driving hard to the net, get to the blue paint, puck hits him, and he... Uh, he swats it in, so not entirely different scenarios in terms of the way they scored their first goals, too. This says uh, Jankowski, but it soured a couple years later. In my recollection, Jankowski did not have a great NHL debut. Was it not on the road in either New York, uh, one of the New York's Rangers or Islanders? It's not like it was a bad game, but I don't ever, I don't remember it being electric like what we saw from Zary on Wednesday night. I, my memory might be mistaken on that. You're bringing up the game log, so I'm curious if my uh, recollection is correct it was new york islanders look, look at, that. at this guy go no goals no assists no points played 10 18 13 shifts no shots on goal the, so the, very the, pedestrian t- type texter might be talking about the four goal night he had in game 82 but that was not jankowski's debut it was just jankowski scoring four goals against the vegas school the knights that game uh this says uh, steinberg your memory is like a steel trap um yeah it depends on what meaningless things like that like where jankowski made his debut and what happened with brody and his recall yeah i remember that stuff you need me to remember an anniversary or a birthday or you know things that would help me be a good human yeah not so good no um this says i like having zari with kadri kadri seems like he wants to be the best player on his line at all times and he hasn't had much competition until now hopefully zari pushes him to play better as well um and this says, uh, what to do with Huberdo? He's not getting any better. Yeah, as much as Kadri had himself a really positive game, Huberdo's uh, night was not as positive, and that's really been a struggle the last, I don't know, six or seven games Well, now. during this losing streak, for sure. Yep. Where the Calgary Flames did find a spark Wednesday night. It didn't come to fruition that they'd end this slump. But at the end of the day, you need your best players to be your best players. We saw Nazem Kadri take a step. Now the Calgary Flames need Jonathan Huberto to take one as well. Uh, and then there's another really important issue to discuss, and, and it's related to Wednesday's game, related to potentially Saturday's game, and it's what to do with Matt Coronado because on Wednesday he centered line number four, played on a line with Greer and Walker Dewar after the game when asked about Coronado at center, Ryan Huskis said, yeah, he kind of struggled. And then at practice Thursday, Coronado was the very clear odd man out amongst the 13 forwards that were on the ice. Dylan Dubé was back at practice after missing the Dallas game. It looks like Coronado could be moving towards healthy scratch territory. Um, and I, I propose a different way of thinking about this if I'm the Calgary Flames. So I think Coronado's been close to being a healthy scratch a couple of times here recently but a couple of like the the Dubé injury uh, that kept him out of the Dallas game I think kept Coronado in the lineup the Ruzicka injury kept him in the lineup I think for the game against St. Louis so I think he's been teetering on healthy scratch territory in Calgary's eyes for a little bit here he hasn't come out and for the first time in a practice he was clearly the odd man out but what about a short stint in the American League instead that, to me, is a really interesting approach the Flames could take and I think has the potential of serving Coronado better than a strict healthy scratch stretch, whether it's two, three games, whatever the case may be. And I'll tell you why. So the Wranglers play Friday and Sunday afternoon. They're in Calgary. So I think that there's something to be said that you know Coronado has maybe hit a little bit of an energy wall and maybe the pace of a you know, 
eighth of the way through an NHL season when the pace and the competition level just keeps on ramping up, maybe, maybe that has maybe he's hit a little bit of a wall there. And so you've got two games this weekend in Calgary at the Dome, no travel, so he doesn't take the flight to Seattle, stays in Calgary, plays against uh, Colorado this weekend, or who they play this weekend? That's wrong. But anyway, uh, San Jose this weekend, plays against the Barracuda this weekend, gets two games in, and then you reevaluate. That, to me, is a really good way to change scenery, see if that maybe helps him get past the wall. It potentially gets him the opportunity to gain a little bit more confidence back. Maybe you can get a little offense, be around the net, get some chances, maybe pop some production in a couple of games with the Wranglers, and then reevaluate next week and see where he's at. So if if you're looking to kind of break a cycle I personally believe sending Coronado even temporarily to the American League, he does not need to clear waivers, is the way to go. And I only say that because it looks like he's going to be a healthy scratch. Instead of scratching him for a few games, why not use the fact that your team is in the same city? You know, with with Gaudreau and Kachuk and Bennett, that wasn't the case. They were in different cities. The team is in the same city. And he doesn't have to go anywhere. There's no, the, you don't have to reassign him, and then all of a sudden he's flying to Glens Falls or Stockton. He can stay here in Calgary, get a couple of games in, and then you see what happens early next week as you get ready for Nashville on Tuesday. I think that's a really potentially productive way to handle Coronado, who is is maybe in need of just a little bit of change of scenery in a very temporary sense. I'm on board with that idea for several reasons, the first of which is he's gone pointless in six straight and has played more than 13 minutes in any one game, only twice in the past seven games, including that 17-22 he played in the Heritage Classic, which was his most in eight games. And so now all of a sudden, he didn't look good down. I was very curious to see how the experiment of him down the middle was going to be because he did a really good job of that at the World Championship uh, last spring. And it didn't really go as well. And you could tell like, that line got hemmed in on multiple occasions against the Dallas Stars, and it wasn't necessarily what you wanted to see. So the fact that he's on your fourth line, he's not playing as many minutes, Zeri's at least momentarily leapfrogged him in the depth chart. Coronado, for me, should be a guy that needs to play in your top nine, and right now he isn't. So get him down to the Wranglers. Get him playing top line minutes again. Let him feel the mojo. Let's get some some production going again because everybody always feels better when they're producing goals, assists, and points. The other thing, too, is, though, is this might be an opportunity for him to catch his breath a little bit because he played all three games in Penticton. He played, what, six or seven of the possible eight? Six of eight preseason games. Six of eight preseason games, and he's played all ten to date this season. That's 19. We're at November 2nd. He played 45 total last season between Harvard. I was talking to somebody recently, and they were like, how many games do you think Harvard has played uh, And at, at this point? And I was like, my guess is four. Like, and this is only about a week ago. Like, Actually, they're playing their first game this weekend. So I think they've played twice. Uh, this, like, I think Harvard's played twice. And Coronado's played 10 NHL games, six preseason games. So he's played 19 times. Yes. That's got to take a toll on a guy who's not necessarily used to a schedule like that. So and, if you're able, and last year played 
the the whole Harvard season, then was with the NHL with the NHL team, got the one game in, but it's not like he was dogging it while he was practicing. He was getting bag skated. He was practicing in full. Then he goes to the World Championship, so uh, he's playing way later than he ever right. has. And as you know, he went deep. Like that U.S. team went deep at the Worlds, so he goes deep into the summer or the late <laughs> spring and then comes back. and ha- So, yeah, I think there's absolutely something to that. And I, I think when you are talking about hitting walls, I think it's as much a mental wall that you hit oh, yeah. as, as it is a physical wall. Because these guys are all finely tuned athletes. And and physically, athletically, I think they're able to, to meet the challenge. But well, and Coronado was second guys, right? in fitness testing among the rookies. Absolutely. So it's not a, it's not a conditioning concern or anything like that. And the, and the mental side of things, you, you make a valid point that the AHL schedule at times can be a lot like a college schedule. And giving him a chance to physically reset, mentally reset, might not be the worst thing in the world for him. I guess. I guess I'm just curious to see if we see Matt in the lineup for the Wranglers Friday afternoon against San Jose. It's just a. Uh, I, I just wonder if there is something to that, and if they were to go down that road, I think it would be a really. It would be kind of a. a, a I'm trying to think of the right word. It would be a an. I don't think innovative is the right word, but I think uh, that's the word I'll use anyway. I think it would be a creative way to get them out of a little bit of a lull and to break the scenery um, dullness a little bit and maybe just to mentally get them a little bit more on a different track. Because I think that's all you're looking to do. And, again, this doesn't have to be a long-term thing. If they end up healthy scratching him or if they – end up sending him to the american league it's not because he's a bust it's not because he's a failure it's because he's a rookie in the nhl and he's learning and this is part of the process and you've got this unique opportunity you're one of what five or six teams in the league that have their ahl team sharing the same city as their nhl team with a schedule that as of right now really is conducive to trying something like this if they were to do it now seems like a perfect time. Before, we talked to Trent Call on Monday, right? The schedule gets super busy in November, and all of a sudden the Wranglers are playing a lot more midweek stuff, not just the weekend schedule. Well, this is kind of the last time, one of the last couple weekends for a little bit, where it's just that weekend schedule. This would be a really good time to do it if the Flames wanted to go down that road. Yeah, and for me, he's best suited in Calgary's top nine. If he's going to be up with the Flames, he needs to be playing more meaningful minutes. And again, at the same time, you've got to earn those minutes as well. They're not just going to be gifted or handed to you. So if you're looking at how players best slot on the Flames lineup and Matt Coronado currently doesn't rank within your top nine, he's much better off playing you know, 18 minutes in a scoring role for the Wranglers than he is kind of yeah. toiling on a fourth line playing 12, 13 minutes a night. I think that's a fair way of putting it. Here's a few texts on that topic at 960 at 960. This says Coronado avoided the AHL to start because of the threat of losing him as a free agent before he signed. Zary has had to earn his spot in the lineup where Coronado was more or less considered an incumbent from last season. And this is, if they were to send him there, I don't think it's a permanent thing. No. I just think it's a temporary thing again to kind of break the routine. This says it would be a savvy move. This says why send him there if to play games when you're saying he needs a rest. Well, I think I clarified that. It's not a physical rest as much as it is not even a rest. Rest is the wrong word. It's a change. Reset. Reset. It's it's a mental, like, it, it happens in, in any 
any walk of life, career-wise or, or outside of your, your vocation. Sometimes just when a you're, change When you're used your to working two days a week and suddenly you're working five days a week or six days a week, it's a, that can be a toll on you mentally. Yeah. And so, so then a quick change of scenery to break the monotony and, and break the grind can be helpful. I, I, I can think about you change your routine for a week, like you're you're you get into it's like right, I'm doing sober November and I'm gonna you know really really be healthy, and then all of a sudden you start you're a night workout guy and your workouts at night are kind of you know half assed. I'm gonna try doing group fitness in the morning, then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this really I feel better, and maybe it isn't permanent that you do the group fitness classes at 6 a.m., but you do it for two weeks and then you feel a whole lot better and you go back to your old routine and it's better. That's kind kind of the the thing that i'm aiming at when we're talking about coronado um this says i don't agree if they were to do that i remember gaudreau got benched for one game his first full season they brought him back the next game and he never was benched again um this says you're not wrong it's workload management for a guy who's used to a quarter of the amount of games he's a long way from home and anything but familiar he needs to build up the ability to play the pro man's game um and i do think the other part of it is i I would imagine that there's a little bit of a I'm trying to think of the right word. I don't like Matt. Matt's a very, very Coronado is a very, very a smart kid. Kid's the wrong word. Smart man. He is. He has the right demeanor and approach, personality and mentality wise. So that these things, I don't like. I don't think that he ever gets to the point where he's so down on himself that he can't get out of it. But I would imagine that. After a really nice start, there might be some confidence questioning and like, okay, should I be here? And why is it not working? And what do I have to do to be better? All I, I think it would be just natural. So you go to the American League, still good hockey, still good competition, but maybe you're a little bit more of an offensive impact maker at that level for two or three games. You score once or twice. You start feeling better about your overall game when you come back to the NHL, and it could make the world a difference. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not opposed to the idea. And again, particularly if you're going to be slotting him on your fourth line in the NHL, that's it's the ultimate debate is where is he best served development? This is all about his development. This is not about, you know, he needs to play games. He still needs to play games, but he needs to play games in a role that is going to leverage him for success. And playing on the fourth line, playing down the middle in the NHL isn't necessarily it yeah. for me. It's playing on the wing and playing in a scoring role and he'll be able to do that with the wranglers um it kind of sounds like i'm working with you in nashville again that's kind of what it sounds like it sounds did like did that hit the text line different reasons no i it is different reasons um i can vouch for that because i i've um seen both up front up close and personal um and this says pat it's okay if you're doing group fitness classes I am. I quite enjoy. I quite enjoy them. I should mix in one of those every once in a while, dude. I'm telling you, spin class. It's the it's it's the the way to go. I'm obsessed with that for the last year and a bit. Um, okay, we are underway this hour on Flames Talk. We are coming at you from Cowboys Dancehall. What are we doing at Cowboys? No, we're not here for Fifty Cent Draft Night a little bit oh, later on Thursday. Um, that can't be a thing anymore, can it? I don't. I don't know. It was twenty five cents when I was growing It'll up. Be sounding like this again. AGLC. <laughs> AGLC doesn't allow that anymore um nor should they we are here for the eric francis pizza pig out um obviously if you're listening live you might be able to get here if you're listening on the podcast you might not be able to come to the 2023 version of the pizza pig out but 
Come for the 2024 version. Go to ericfrancispizzapigout.com. Find out about the history of, and, and I, I say this not to pump Francis's tires because they're always full. Um, he's, he's very good at pumping his own tires. Uh, no, I say it because this is honestly one of the great fundraising, nonprofit, charity event success stories yep. in our city. It really is. Like, this is one of the best biggest fundraising days in the city it all goes to kids sport calgary which we know is very close to our hearts here at sports that 960 the fan it's a great event you get to have a lot of fun you get to mingle with all kinds of different celebrities and personalities it's a it's a really great event so if you're not able to come for the 2023 version go on over to eric francis learn more about it and just put it in your head for 2024 next year this is one of the events to be at every single year joey chestnut's going to be here very yeah. shortly uh so yeah very very neat to be here uh we're live at cowboys dance hall if you're listening live that's where we're coming at you from on this thursday one more time the website eric francis pizza anything and everything calgary flames it's all on flames talk sportsnet 960 the fan Time now for the Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills for popular colors, trims, and even wheel sizes. Check out the best curated collection of certified pre-owned Mercedes-Benz online at mercedesbenzcountryhills.ca. Steinberg, Aaron Vickers, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames Roundtable. Let's start with kind of the news of the day for the Flames, and uh, that is a waiver wire move. A veteran player is on waivers on Thursday morning. That would be Jordan Osterley on the blue line. Uh, he has until noon or, or his uh, fate will be decided noon on Friday to see whether or not he clears or does get claimed. Of course, Osterley was a free agent signing over the summer by the Flames. Just uh, gents, our reaction and what it potentially could mean with Jordan Osterley on waivers today. Well, I'm not completely surprised because Elliot Friedman did throw that out there in 32 thoughts yesterday, but a little bit surprised in the sense that uh, he played last night because Nikita Zadorov uh, was dealing with um, a family issue. And I hope that uh, uh, him and his wife and his daughters are doing okay today. Uh, and that we see him back in the building and back on the ice and, and back in a game sometime soon. Um, and he was actually out there when the Flames were down a goal and, and trying to tie it with an extra attacker on the ice last night. And, you know, he, he certainly has a lot of upside offensively. Defensively, uh, I think the reason he's been kind of a bubble player or a 6-7 a type of player throughout his career is that uh, he, he's maybe not the best at times in his own end, but he's only played in four of their first 10 games. So not a complete surprise. It tells me one of two things, fellas. Uh, either number one, Nikita Zadorov will be back in time for Saturday's game against the Kraken, or um, they're going to potentially just have six defensemen on the roster at that point in time and recall Ilya Solovyov from the Wranglers. So we'll have to wait and see which way it goes here. Yeah, for me, this doesn't come as a incredible shock i think jordan osterley showed really well in training camp and in exhibition play and he hasn't just popped for me in the regular season he's played four games he's averaging 14 minutes of ice time i'm curious what this means for calgary's defense as a whole because as you mentioned wilsey we saw Ilya solovyov come up and and play 17 
30 per game in a couple of games that he did. I wonder if what the Calgary Flames saw in Soloviev is prompting them to make a move like this because the Calgary Flames, as it stands, need to make a move on their defense if they want to recall Soloviev and give him another look. And I wonder if this is a scenario that opens up a little bit of flexibility for the Calgary Flames, particularly on the blue line, but more so as a whole as well um, in their entire roster by having a guy that... Um, if he clears waivers, you don't necessarily need to have to assign him to the American Hockey League, but it does give you the option to, yeah. to do whenever you need. It opens up a lot of flexibility for the Calgary Flames roster-wise, but I wonder how much this move might actually pertain to Slovyov and what they saw. Yeah, and, and I think that that is a very fair uh, link to make, guys. I think uh, that's one of the first things that I thought. There's a, there's a few different things here. Um, you know, there's also the whole, we, we don't know exactly what Nikita Zadorov's status is. He's, he's uh, you know, we, we send all the all the good vibes to the Zadorov family. It's, it's, uh, they're dealing with something private right yes. now, and um, that's why he missed the game against Dallas. Um, so he's, he's with his family and, and needs to be with his family and i'm not suggesting he will or will not play against seattle on saturday but i think at the very least it's a you know fair consideration to have that maybe he has to miss a second game to be with uh to be with his family in calgary so there's there's that consideration there's the solovyov consideration and and you know i know that wilsey both you and i really took notice of the way that he played at the Heritage Classic, getting the opportunity to be right there at ringside and seeing him a couple of times even uh, go up head-to-head against Connor, Connor McDavid and how he played that. And, um, and, and then the other thing is, guys, the Flames have lost six in a row. They've lost eight of nine. They're reeling. And what's wrong with shaking things up a little bit? What's wrong with doing something to change the dynamic? And I'm not suggesting. I know there's a lot of people who, you know, took notice of Elliot Friedman's 32 Thoughts column on Wednesday and said, oh, a big-name veteran's going to go on waivers. I know that Jordan Osterley is not a big-name veteran per se, but that is a veteran player. He's over 30. He's been in the league a long time, and he was a guy penciled into or penned into Calgary's top seven on defense pretty much right from the get-go. So it's it's not like it's a massive shakeup, but it is a guy that is an NHL professional hockey veteran who gets put on waivers. I do think inside a locker room, you know, a guy's 30, 31 years old that can still send a message in a little bit, in, in a few different ways. So I think there's a, a lot of things at play here, and there I, I don't know exactly what the next steps are going to be, but any of the next steps that we've discussed here I think are, are all valid and, and absolutely potential of what we could see in the next 24 to 72 hours. And he's been put on waivers. He's yet to clear. Uh, I suspect that he probably will but then you don't have to assign him to the wranglers it's an option but you don't have to do it so we'll have to wait and see how it plays out and i guess if he does clear and does get sent down uh you could either get zadorov back and leave solovyov where he is or you could get zadorov back and recall solovyov to give you seven defensemen uh, now, it's just a one-game road trip this weekend, so yep. uh, they could probably send just six and, and be comfortable with that if uh, if they're comfortable with everybody being able to play in that big game against the Kraken. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, for me, uh, a bigger story at practice today, guys, is that Matt Coronado appeared to be the odd man out. Now, he did rotate on the wing, but Dylan Dubé jumped into his spot as the fourth-line center, and they were rotating three wingers on that line. So... Uh, we, we've seen it in the past with Flames rookies, and I'm talking high-profile rookies. 
like mm-hmm. Johnny Gaudreau and Sam Bennett and Matthew Kachuk, they've all been healthy scratches at times. So I do wonder what's going to happen with Coronado. I actually think that making him a healthy scratch or, or making a move with him would potentially be something that would send bigger shockwaves yeah. to the Flames dressing well, room and we, we, uh, down a, a bubble defenseman. We, we discussed that a little earlier this hour too, Wilsey. I'm curious your thought on that. I, I just made the case for... You know, they've got a unique opportunity here with the Wranglers being in Calgary. I think as much as anything else, it's not a physical break that Coronado needs. It's a mental reset and a mental change because I think we're talking about a guy who is going through the mental grind of his first pro and NHL season. And the mental grind of an NHL season is hard and it's even harder for a rookie. And I just, they play Friday, the Wranglers play Friday and Sunday at the dome. Why not get him into a couple of games, change the scenery, get his confidence back up, play him a couple of games in the American league and then reevaluate early next week. Maybe you bring him back up for the Nashville game, or maybe you bring him back up for the road trip out East that starts late last late next week. I just, I think they've got an opportunity there. And, and personally I'd lean that way. If I'm the flames, I'd go the American league route instead of the healthy scratch route myself. And it's a, it's an option that they didn't have in with, with the, examples that you're citing which are all fair the Gaudreau example the Bennett example the Kachuk example at no time was the AHL team in Calgary during that time here he doesn't have to go anywhere he stays he plays twice yeah. and then you reevaluate I think it's a really uh, good option the Flames have to potentially explore Do you know how many games Matt Coronado played with the Harvard University Crimson last season Vickers does he, he said it 34 okay 34 Do you know how many preseason and regular season games he's played for the Calgary Flames this season? 19. Three if you count the yep. Penticton game. Three more, 19 if you well, count the Penticton games. So he's, depending on how you look at it, he's played almost half or more than half of the number of games that he played all of last season. Well, and you know think what else? For a second. Also think about this. You know how many games Harvard has played this season right now and what they would have played, had played at this time last year? Two. How many? Two. There you go. So he's starting so I, a season way think, earlier than he ever has and playing way more and went way deeper into his summer than he ever has. Yeah, I, I do think that we were all expecting him to hit some sort of wall at, at some point in time. And, and like you said, Pat, it's not just about physical fatigue. It's about mental fatigue. This is an yep. everyday league. And as a young player trying to establish yourself, that's got to be a grind at times. And I didn't love him at center last night. Uh, I didn't uh, think the move was going to work very well for uh, a player who is, you know, trying to, to settle into this league. And with the way the Flames are, are playing in the defensive zone this season, moving him to the middle just put more on his plate. And as Ryan Huska, Huska said post game, uh, didn't love that line last night. So uh, I do wonder if, if this is the time for Matt Coronado to get the, the same treatment. Uh, or maybe a little bit different treatment, depending on which route they go, but the same treatment that other uh, Flames high-profile rookies got in past years. Johnny Gaudreau, Sam Bennett, Matthew Kachuk, they were all healthy scratches, and if memory serves me correct, they all responded really well uh, to being sat for a game or two. So if, if, if Coronado does become a healthy scratch or does get sent down, it's not the end of the world. I don't think there's any need to, to press the panic button. Yeah. He's, uh, he's a good young player. 
whether it's Matt Coronado, whether it's Jordan Osterley, you have to think any sort of move, whether it's a healthy scratch or an assignment to the American Hockey League, is going to make a few players a little bit uncomfortable, as they should be in the middle yeah. of a six-game losing streak and having dropped eight of nine. Or maybe both. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. maybe both we end up seeing. Uh, Daily Flames Roundtable, Derek, Aaron, Pat, on this Thursday edition of Flames Talk. Well, let's uh, close the hour the same way we started it. We kicked off this hour talking about Connor Zeri's NHL debut on Wednesday where he scored in his first NHL game on his first NHL shot. But it was much more than just the goal. Guys, what... What made Connor Zary's NHL debut such a special debut against Dallas? Well, he was fantastic last night. And I have to admit, I was somewhat surprised because when I looked at his stats from the American Hockey League's Calgary Wranglers, led the team in scoring with 10 points in six games, but none of those points were assists. Only one was a goal. So I expected him to come up and be more of a playmaker, but he drove the play for a good chunk of that game last night he was dynamic in making plays and also in trying to score goals and he scores his first goal on his first shot like you mentioned on just his third shift in his first game which was a great way for him to start and and build on the confidence that he came up with but think about how he scored that goal it's one of the things we've been talking about almost at nauseum uh, and trying to, to figure out what the Flames can do to score more goals, I think we've all said it at times. I know I've said it multiple times. You've got to get pucks to the net, and you've got to get bodies to the net. And Connor Zeri's not the biggest guy, but he was willing to go to the hard areas last night. He was actually standing behind Jake Ottinger when he scored his goal, which was so good to see. But then there was that rush up the ice where... He came across the blue line with speed, weaved his way in, undressed a couple of guys, made a great move, and and came within a millimeter of scoring his second goal in his first game. So he was just so impressive last night. He worked hard. uh, He popped. And he did some things that I'm not sure I've seen any other Flames player do this season. That rush up the ice, that was unbelievable. And if he had scored, would have been on the highlight reel last night and for a long time to come. He was really really good he absolutely undressed hawk and paw on that play and if it wasn't for the left pad of jake ottinger you're right you had a at least from a flames perspective a goal of the year candidate this early the thing that impressed me most was the energy that not only that he brought but that he was able to give nazim kadri as well because and, and pat and i talked about this a little bit earlier that's the best we've seen Nazem Kadri in some time, and I don't think it's a coincidence that it came at the exact same time yeah. that Connor Zari arrived on the scene. So, yeah, it was, it's great to score your first NHL goal on your third NHL shift, and that's going to give you some juice. It's going to give you some mojo. But the, the sheer fact that he was able to inject energy into the Calgary Flames lineup and, and in specifics, get Nazem Kadri going. We talked a lot about it on Wednesday, how the expectation shouldn't be the 22-year-old rookie coming in playing his first game should be there to prop up your $7 million man, but he was able to do that in, in at least the first game that he played, and we'll potentially see if he can do it in another one. But I was just impressed with the 
the jolt he was able to give the Calgary Flames as well as Nazem Kadri. That uh, that line was Calgary's best in the game against Dallas. They were almost an 80% possession line. Obviously, Zary scored the goal. They had a huge edge in high danger chances and scoring chances. At 5-on-5, five five, they were a really, really strong trio together. I thought Sharon Govich even looked uh, a little energized. Yep. He played with more pace than we've seen in a little while here. So I, I came away really impressed with Zary's game. I came away thinking to myself, when's the last time that a debut got you out of your seat like that? Because he scores the goal. That was exciting. And he gets to be in the starting lineup. Got a nice ovation when that was announced. And then, Wills, yeah, that, that, that rush that you talk about that was an inch away from tying the game, you're right. That would have been that probably would have been goal of the year for the Flames now and for the rest of the year. So the, the last time, I can't remember a, a, a first first game being that exciting for a player in i don't know going back to johnny gaudreau's debut maybe that's the last time or sam bennett when he debuted and got an assist in game 82 of that 14 15 season like it's the last time i can remember a player debuting and and being that exciting now the challenge is okay excitement adrenaline of game one is done now you got to keep it going right now you have to now he's gonna have to do the same thing that we're talking about matt coronado learning and that is because he's going to play Saturday against Seattle. He's earned himself another game. Now it's just keep on earning yourself more games. Keep on earning yourself more NHL looks. So that's the next challenge for him. But boy, was that a lot of fun to watch against Dallas. Good on him. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually think that you could argue that uh, Connor Zary is in a better spot to handle an NHL schedule than Matt Coronado is. As we just talked about, Coronado played 34 games in the NCAA last season. And when you look at Connor Zary, uh, got his feet wet playing nine games for the Stockton Heat back in 2021, and then spent the last two seasons playing a, a full AHL schedule, or almost a full AHL schedule, 53 games in, in 21, 22, yep. and then 72 games last season. So, you know, he's used to the grind that is an AHL or an NHL schedule. So, uh, yeah, the, the adrenaline probably won't be uh, there as much in game two as it was in game one, but but the confidence has to be there. You know, he came up a confident yep. player. He has to be more confident today than he was yesterday, knowing that, hey, I can play in this league, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be on him to stack this. And, you know, once you get past the initial adrenaline burst of being like, holy crap, I'm in the NHL, maintain that energy level because that's the biggest thing he can give the flame. I mean, it'd be great if he scored a goal every single game. I don't know if that's necessarily a fair expectation of him. But if he's able to continually bring and provide energy for his line with whomever he's playing with, if it happens to be Nazem Kadri, if it happens to be somebody else, if you can help elevate the energy level of your line, you're doing your job. So that'll be what I'm looking for out of him next. Yep, I'm keeping him in the lineup for, uh, there's no doubt I'm keeping him in the lineup for Saturday against Seattle. And maybe some of those building blocks we saw the Flames uh, use on Wednesday against Dallas, they can build on Saturday against Seattle and finally get back on the winning side of things. Thank you, Wilsey. We'll talk to you on Friday, hey? Okay, guys, have a good night. 
He is Derek Wills. He's Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. As we start to wrap up this hour on Flames Talk, uh, you're wondering why do you hear Beasley's voice in the background? It's because we're at Cowboys. Uh, today's Flames Talk coming at you from Cowboys in the Eric Francis Pizza Pig Out. Uh, we're here at Cowboys helping raise money for Kids Sport Calgary. For all the information on the Eric Francis Pizza Pig Out, the website, very easy. Eric Francis Pizza Pig Out. Dot com. Go check it out. If you're, you know, listening on Thursday night or Friday morning, obviously you can't be here, but uh, go check it out and learn all you need to know about next year's Pizza Pig Out because you're going to want to be here. If you've never been, you're going to want to give it a try. Um, that'll wrap us up this hour. Aaron Vickers is on Twitter at AA Vickers. Our producers, Taylor and Cam. My name is Pat, and that'll do it. The uh, Daily Flames Roundtable wrapped up, and it's brought to you, as always, by our friends at Mercedes-Benz Country hills for popular colors trims and even wheel sizes check out the best curated collection of certified pre-owned mercedes-benz online at mercedes-benz country hills.ca